Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Today, I am here with an infamous member of a motorcycle gang. Well, he's not only riding motorcycles, he's also doing, has a day job, right? I have a day job. Okay, that is Darren White. And just on the motorbike gang, I'm the slowest rider in the gang. Res I'm always, always at the back. It's very responsible. I am. I'm getting old and I'm getting nervous, so I'm, I'm quite slow and the, the gang are always quite ahead of me. I feel like it's, maybe that's something you learn when you run a business. You become a lot more cautious. I think, I think that's very true. You become cautious and I suppose when, when I'm on the bike... I don't think about anything else. It's just concentration and survival and, you know, blowing away some, some stress and steam. So, yeah, I like to be cautious. And when you drive a car, are people allowed to talk to you? If I'm on my own in the car, the music is up at an unbearable level. But if there's passengers in the car, no music. And... Uh, Light, light chat, but just, yeah, just, you know, I like, uh, I like quiet. There are rules. Yes, my rules. Okay, I don't ride a car very often, and, you know, when I rent one, usually the first three days, it's like no talking in the car. Yep. I have to, everything has to be focused. Or prior to us being on air, you heard my phone ring, and I was talking to the dealership where I bought my car, and I have a, a rattle in my car, and it's been back eight times uh, in the last 12 months and this rattle is driving me insane so um, you know every time I it, it's constant at the moment so I ring the dealer to say you need to fix it and that was her on the phone I was just like I need this fixed so at the moment it's it's music just to avoid hearing that rattle in the car okay I wasn't sure if you were talking to your dealer or to your doctor <laughs> well It's just, she knows more about me than my doctor. That's probably a good thing. It is, it is. Uh, like, yeah. you know, if your doctor doesn't recognize you in the street, I think that's, that's <laughs> it's the best way to have it. That's it. So you are, your day job, however, is to be the CEO of Global Franchise Architects. Yes, GFA. So uh, GFA has been around now for about 20 years. Actually, next year is our 20th year. And... In Thailand, we're probably most famous for our Coffee World brand. So Coffee World was uh, the first brand, and it was the first Coffee World brand, or fir first coffee chain or brand in Thailand. We were here before um, Starbucks and any of the other brands. Just for disclaimer, I'm drinking a free cup of Coffee World coffee right now, so I should probably disclose my uh, relationship with my interview guest. Easily paid off. Okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm still going to get a bill and... Uh, no, no, complimentary. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so how long have you been in Thailand? I've been in Thailand coming up 11 years. Wow. A long time. Feels... It's gone so fast, but it feels like I've been here a long time, a long time. On a scale from one to Germany, how great is your Thai? Very poor. Uh, four out of ten. That's, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to do when you have like a lot of other things going on. I feel like Thai really takes a bit of a full-time commitment. Yeah, I... I'm on the fence. I, when I first moved to Thailand, the English language wasn't as well spoken as it is today and I was learning and I was picking it up quite well. Then I moved into some of my you know, jobs and my staff wanted to learn English. So we, our office was an English office. So I lost a lot of the, you know, the skill. I know a lot of words. I can get around. I can do what I need to do. Um, and... I'm okay with where I'm at. Um, there's a few times, you know, when I'm in a business meeting where I just want to get involved in the conversation. What kind of meeting is that? Like, oh, it could be a, a negotiation on looking for a new new site. It could be a, you know. Um, Do you recall a specific one? 
Um, no, because we, we have over 100 stores in Thailand, so we're always we're always in in you know detailed meetings with you know developers or shopping mall owners. So it can be, you know, it's 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 often. Um, but do you negotiate those all yourself, or do, are you in on every negotiation? Not not every negotiation, but I'm I'm involved at some point. You know, um, at the at the the later stage of the negotiation. So if we're going to do a deal, my my team will come to me and do the deal. Or if we're negotiating and we can't get if if they can't get it across the line, I'll step in and and and. and join those meetings and try and negotiate which is which is a bit of fun you have to add your magic oh look uh sometimes being the the white guy can add the magic and can get the deal done sometimes it can be complete opposite where you know they don't want to deal with the the white guy so you, you've got to pick your mark and play the play the game and you know you you need you need a good team around you and my my team are are very strong here at GFA, so they they know at certain times where okay we're going to bring in the the white guy and he'll sort it out, or if we bring in the white guy, the price is going to go up twofold. So so I, I get good advice from the team. So they are like okay yeah this one you better sit out we got this. Yeah yeah there's there's actually over the last few years there the, you know. I've I've got a good background in property and negotiation um, from, from from right. You used to oh, you got in this really early, right? Yeah, I've been in. I've been, I was in property. I, I left school, or I suppose kicked out of school at fifteen and went to to work in a a, a local real estate office in Melbourne. Oh, kicked out of school. I wasn't a good student, so uh, it was finish. I think it was finish form four. So that was in 1988. So form four is, I think, year 10 in, they, they call it year 10 now. So it was, okay, at the end of the year, we don't want you to come back. We'll pass you, pass, you know, you'll pass the year, but don't come back to do year 11 or form five. So, oh, wow. So uh, I wasn't the, you know, the best student in the school. What did your parents say? Well, they struggled with me for a few years with, um, you know, my my schooling. I was I, I went to school for the social aspects. I didn't go to to get an education, and so I think they saw saw that coming. Um, and the funny thing is, all the way through my high school, I wanted to be a motor mechanic or something, you know, a trade. Some, something with my hands and in that final year at school you do a two-week work experience placement program and as a punishment the, the the teacher who was looking after that program put me in the local real estate office as a punishment as a punishment she thought you know I really wanted to be the mechanic so I was thinking I'll go and work at the local garage or service station but she thought okay, she'll punish me and put me in the local real estate office. Well, after two days, I thought this was the best, best thing ever. So we did, I did the two weeks um, work experience, back to school, and then at the end of the year, um, they said, look, we don't want you to come back to school. And I said, oh. That was fine with you? Well, fine, fine. So I, I had a part-time job in the local supermarket so I went to work full-time in the local supermarket and then the owner of the real estate office that I did the work experience at, they were doing their shopping and saw me working in the supermarket. They said, what are you doing here? Come and work for us. And I didn't want to. But I went home and told mum and dad and said, oh, you know, they, they want me to come and work at the real estate office. Why didn't you not want to? Because actually, I don't, you know, if you work in a supermarket, it's a fun environment. So you're, you know... You're working, but it's 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 quite fun. It's quite social. You know, you go out after work, and you know, I was spending a lot of time with. I was only 15 or 16, so most of my friends were, you know, 18 or 19. They had a car, so you know, you'd finish work, you'd jump in the car, you'd go to a party. So it was it was very social. So um, so I went home and told mum and dad, oh, you know, 
the real estate office want me to come and work full time for them, and uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to st- and and I can still remember the conversation. I was, you know, my parents weren't, weren't strict. They were very cool parents, still are now. But the one time they demanded I do something was to take that job in real estate. How did that conversation go? Oh, look, uh, it was over 25 years, 20, 27 years now, so I don't remember too much, but I just remember sitting around the kitchen table and they were begging me to take it. They said, you know, you've got to think of your future. You've, you, know, you're not, you know, there's no future in the supermarket. You know, don't think of your social life. You know, you've, you haven't got a good education Go and go and work in the real estate office. So I think after two or three days, I decided to do that, and I think that was, or it is, one of the best decisions I've done in my life. Did you say send that teacher a thank you letter? Um, well, a few a few years later, that that teacher. Um, Because in real estate, you become quite well known. You know, your name's in the local paper and you've always got your photo on, on for sale boards. And I was quite, um, you know, selling myself to, you know, because I was young. So I was competing with all the older real estate agents in my local town. And so, and I think many years later, she actually bought a house off me. So and she, was very, <laughs> she was very proud. We had, uh, we had some, some good conversations. So... Um, so yeah it's, it's it was that was good good times it's a tough life real estate right i mean do you have days off uh yeah you work you work weekends so as a as a young guy that was that was one of the hardest parts of of being in in real estate um you know i think back in those days i used to work uh, not work on thursday and work saturday sunday um, so that was difficult. So, you know, I, in my late teens, I didn't have a very, very strong social life. But I, I became quite good at what I did, become very successful. Um, and, you know, I had a, a beautiful car. Um, you know, I, I think I bought a, a unit when I was 18. So I lost some social aspects but I picked up you know some some other you know good good things along the way and I was working with a lot of older people you know so you know most of the people I worked with were in their late 20s early 30s so I grew up quite quickly and you know still some of those people who are now in their 60s and 70s are still very close friends of mine Do you have a theory why you did so well in real estate but struggled in school? Well, I think I, I've always liked... I, I like talking, I like meeting people. Um, I consider myself quite friendly. I've always had a, a lot of friends around me. So I think they're all good attributes to being uh, a good salesperson or good, good in... In, in real estate. Um, the town I, I, was, I grew up in back then was, was a, a country, not a country town, but it was a country town becoming a, a, a city. So I think the population was 25,000 people. Um, I become quite, quite well known. I was in the local fire brigade. Uh, so, um, you know, if I wasn't selling real estate, you'd see me on the on the fire truck driving down the street, you know, to, the, to a fire. Uh, I was involved in, in politics, so the Member of Parliament was one of my uh, good friends. Um, so I become very, you know, prominent in the town, quite well known. Uh, a few of the property developers uh, became good friends. So... So you're like a people networker that... Yeah, I, I, was, I was very... It was full on networking. Um, you know, I was, I was, as I said, I, you know, I left, it was, I started when I was 15. So, you know, I, I, I was a 15 year old wearing a, a shirt and tie, you know, 
virtually seven days a week. You know, that stands out in a country town. Um, when I was 20, I had a, a brand new BMW. Um, so, you know, I, I stood out, and but I worked hard. Um, but, you know, it, it was a lot of fun at the time. Do you miss those days? Oh, a lot, a lot. Um, I, I, I still, you know, have a lot of you know contact with my friends from 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 home and uh, they're always talking about you know do you remember the day you did this or you did that or you know this so yeah they're, they're, they're good times but you left your hometown went to melbourne and became a top tier real estate person yeah so by sort of mid 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 20s i was growing up and you know getting uh, bored of my hometown and selling houses so I tried my luck at applying for a job at a company called Knight Frank which uh, one of the largest property firms around the world um, and I got a job and moved moved to the city um, and it was like a country boy I you know went to the city three or four times in my life uh, to To, to living and working in the city, to uh, selling, you know, properties, you know, anywhere from, you know, one million to, you know, $50 million. dollars. So it was it was a complete change of, of life, um, but it changed me as a person as well. You know, I I I was living in my hometown. I was in a in a bubble. So moving to Melbourne and the the city was. Uh, a, probably one of the, that was another very good decision that I made it changed me as a person opened my eyes quite a lot did you did you ever get burned out in 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 real estate mm -hmm. um, yeah look it's it's a tough business so um, you, you get tired but moving actually moving to night Frank was good because it was it was a change it was it's Knight Frank specialise in, in commercial. So I, I spent, you know, seven years selling, you know, residential housing in, in a small town. So moving to the city, uh, selling properties at, you know, let's say, you know, $5 million, $10 million. You had a, it's a, it's a new skill to learn. Um, you're dealing with a totally different client. Uh, so it was... It was a good change. It was the right time. It was a really good change. Uh, working with a different group of people, quite dynamic. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly it was a is a it was a big change. Mm. How did you eventually get to Thailand? Well, I spent about six years at Knight Frank, and um, I had some friends from my hometown who used to visit Thailand every year and they would say oh you know these are these are older guys older you know as I said I used to hang around a lot of older people so they were in their maybe 60s and I used to spend a you know drink with them at the local pub and they every year they'd do their you know their annual trip to Thailand and for years they'd say why don't you come and I said no way you would never get me anywhere in that part of the world doesn't interest me I was you know in my bubble um, so one year they bought me a airline ticket and said you're coming so I I remember I, I I'm like I, I arrived it was I think midnight one night and um, we we had we had you know met these guys at uh, one of the infamous areas in, in, in Bangkok and yeah, it was uh, an eye-opener and then we spent a few days travelling. I think we went to uh, Pattaya, I went to Kanchanaburi and just really thought it was a good time. So I had, had, had a week in Thailand, went back, um, went back to Melbourne, back to work and I think about three months after that I was back here again looking around uh, and then... The third trip, I realised that I think there's a lot of opportunity here. The country seems to be 
developing, changing, and I thought I would resign from my job in Melbourne, come to Thailand, have a sabbatical for maybe six months, travel around, and just go from there. And when you arrived, you... You, you, you told me earlier you got a job pretty quickly working in real estate in Phuket, right? Yeah. You, did you just roll up at the door and say, guys, I sold a lot of these things in Australia? Or how did that came about? I wasn't really looking for a job, but I, I just remember that, you know, when I was here, every morning I'd, I'd, I'd go and grab a, a cup of coffee and read the Bangkok Post. And I was... Open, I'm, I opened the employment section and there was a job, you know, from a, a developer looking for a sales and marketing director for uh, high-end villas in Phuket and Koh Samui. I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, give them a call and, and just ask more about it and uh, gave them a call and I sent them my CV and they, they were on the phone straight away and I, I think within two days I was working, working for them. Like you clicked on... Was it by email? or was it, well, I mean, this, this industry is not super techy, it, right? It was email, but I, I remember I didn't have a laptop. Um, I had to go to the, the internet cafe and I had to get the girl to, 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 <laughs> to attach my CV... To, to an email and send the email to them. Oh, you were the one that needed help with that. I needed help. I, I never, actually, I never had a laptop until about five years ago. What did you use? I used to go to the local <laughs> internet cafe. I only, I've only had a, a like a, a smartphone in the last maybe four or five years. I was very, you know, I did not not IT savvy at all. Do you, I mean, I, I get this a lot from people who work in sales who are like a bit, not only uh, lose technology less, but also believe in technology less, who just say, okay, you've you got to do things in person. I, yes, I, I, you know, I, I, I was a salesperson. You know, my, my skill is talking to people. So I still like to pick up the phone and talk to people. And it was when I actually moved to Knight Frank I first had my an email and I didn't even know how to use it. So this was in nine, 1999. I got my first email and I still remember I didn't know how to use it and what, what it really was um, until, you know, I got there and got into the job. So, but uh, I still remember sitting in the internet cafe, sending my CV to this company and within two hours I was in their office having an interview and I think two days later, I, I got the job and damn it was a dream job dream job how so well so they Do you remember taking out a client or is it oh yeah it was it was it was fun so this 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 company was uh, developing high-end villas in Phuket um, I think you know they were two to five million US dollars And was that the first time you saw something like that in person? In in Phuket, yes. And the stunning stunning villas. So you walk in there and you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's a complete different world. And you know, we're talking, you know, ten ten or twelve years ago now, so you know, um that was that was good money back then. Um so so my my job was to to take care of customers who wanted to buy these villas so I would spend our, our office was in Bangkok uh, we had a development in Phuket and we had one in in uh, Koh Samui as well so I would spend two or three days in Bangkok fly to Phuket spend two or three days in Phuket and then from Phuket I would fly to Koh Samui and do the same and you know you're selling to people who If you, if, you know, if you're looking to spend two to five million dollars, they're high net worth individuals. This is a holiday home for them. So, they, they, you know, it's not a one-off. They've got probably two or three homes around the world. They're quite, quite uh, you know, uh, wealthy people. So it was, you know, taking them out for dinner. You know, we'd do a tour of the, of the villa or the, or the development. And so it was... 
So what, cut a long story short, I was, I was getting paid to entertain people in Phuket and Koh Samui and then come back to Bangkok, you know, do some paperwork. And it was just a, a, a routine for, for, for about 18 months. And it was, it was great fun. And I met some great people. Um, I had some good times. We'd, you know, we'd travel the world to do exhibitions, to sell the villas. That doesn't sound like a job anybody would want to give up. So well, what happened? No, it, 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 all, it all sort of hit the wall when the, the, the GFC or the, the global financial crisis hit was there like one day where you remember oh uh not not a not a specific day but it you know i remember them talking you know in the media the u.s was talking that this this crisis was coming um and prior to this prior to this thailand was was booming you know there was lots happening development was strong and I think uh, the GFC hit late, maybe the th September or October um, in '98, for memory, and it it hit, and it was just like someone turned off the tap. '98, or you mean 2008? One or sorry, 2008. Right, 2008. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it was like someone turned off the tap. How did you experience that? Like, did well, we was you know we were selling you know one or two villas a month, you know. We were getting many, many inquiries, and it was just, just stopped. And from one month to the other. Oh, yeah, literally, it's like a, a tap. You know, you're turning the water off. It was, it was, it was dramatic. And um, as a, as a development company, it, uh, it, it hurt. And how did that make you feel? Well, it was. I, I could see the after the. The, the tap was turned off I can see the writing on the wall so I think uh, I survived another three or four months before you know it was time to you know call it a day um, so yeah that was it was it was disappointing um, but all good things come to an end and you know the I had a lot of fun times a lot of memories made a met a lot of good people um, so uh, it's you know li life find find the next find the next project find the next uh, way to survive how did you find the next project well i i was in a in a panic because you know the the expat jobs in thailand were few and far between um, no company was hiring I think there was you know doom and gloom I only know one industry which was the property industry and that was the one of the hardest hit industries in in the the GFC so I was I was quite nervous thankfully I have a good network of friends and I had uh, two or three friends who have companies who asked me to, to help out. Well, I think they were helping me out. Um, so I was doing, you know, jobs and, and, and projects for them for six to nine months, uh, which kept me alive. I didn't want to go home. I, I, you know, I'd spent a couple of years trying, you know, understanding Thailand and, and my life here. I didn't want to pack it all up and go back home with my tail between my legs so um, I, I, I made the decision that I'm staying and Were you envisioning how things would have looked if you had returned home? Well for me I, I could have easily got my old job back or you know with another, another firm so that was the easy option for me to go back um, but you know most of my family and friends in Australia when I moved here that was a shock to them because you know I was very stable and steady in Australia so I did something quite radical so I didn't want to go back with my tail between my legs and say look I've, I've failed or it hasn't worked out so um, and, and financially I, I was okay if I didn't work for you know a, 
a little while I, I would survive but you know I've been a worker since I've been 15 years of age so you know I have two weeks holiday and I'm you know I'm starting to scratch and get bored so I needed to do something so very very thankful for for a couple of mates who 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 helped me out for that that period and um by by luck maybe I had a had a call from a previous customer or client um from Dubai a very very influential figure in Dubai who spends two or three time it comes to Thailand two or three times every year um so he said I'm in Thailand I I want to meet you and uh, he come to me and said look and he, he strange he said I want to meet you at this coffee shop at MBK it's a coffee shop called Mr Bean on the ground floor of MBK so this is back in um 2009 so, so this super influential probably very rich person from Dubai says I want to meet you at this coffee shop at MBK which is kind of a mall that's mostly known for tourist knockoffs and yeah. uh, you're like well, what do you think you had like uh, look I the this particular person he I had only met twice before but you know we did we did a few deals and and uh, was always a, a, a pleasure to talk to and catch up with uh, so but when he said meet at this meet at MBK uh, at, at Mr. Bean coffee shop I'm like this is weird Uh, anyway, so we rock up to I rock up to the the coffee shop, and uh, he goes, "I've been coming to this coffee shop for about ten years, and every time I walk into this coffee shop, the staff remember my name, they know what I drink, the coffee's good, and I just you know find it unbelievable and I'm like okay great you know I'll try the coffee and yeah the coffee's okay <laughs> nothing nothing to write home about and uh, right <laughs> so so I said okay well what's next he goes I want to buy this coffee shop can you help me I'm like yes but why anyway so I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you the short version so he wanted to create a coffee brand so a dream of his is to, to own a coffee brand he wanted to take the brand and expand in the UAE but his his thinking was he loves the Thai hospitality he loved the bean they use Thai coffee bean thirdly he said that Emiratis visit Thailand two to three times a year on their, on, for their holidays and their, their, their breaks. So he wanted to create, he wanted to buy this, this store, redesign, come up with a new concept, a new name, new logo, the whole new thing, but use, use this particular store as the, the, the model or the base and create it. And he asked me to do it. And I said... I had, you know, I had no job, so I said, I, I can do it, you know, even though I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll just tell him I'll do it. I need the money, I'll, I'll do it. So, so in your head, you're like, um, um, but, so, but at this moment, you're like, okay, yeah, I got I to gotta project confidence and I'm... Yeah, yeah I'm, well, a, I'm a, you know, I was a salesman, so, you right. know, you, you never say no to anything. So you just say, yeah, I can, I, I can do it. Totally. And in, in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll I'll do it. But uh, and I'm I'm from Melbourne, so I, I know about good coffee. So right. good coffee in Melbourne. So you know I've got some interest in coffee. So so uh, this all evolved, and we it it happened very quickly. So we appointed you know concept designers. We appointed. Uh, Ogilvy to do logos and names and so within about six months we had created a whole new concept, a whole new brand a whole new product range um, and we launched a company called Coffee Ol and it's, I'll, I'll spell it, it's C-O-F-F 
EOL, Coffeeol. Um, and we converted that particular store, the, the old Mr. Bean store. We opened eight stores within 18 months in Bangkok, uh, Central World, Siam Paragon, um, Siam Discovery, Asia Teak. Uh, and then we opened <coughs> about, over the years, 15 stores in Dubai. We opened stores in Romania. Um, so yeah, that's so. This is how I got into the, the the retail coffee, food, and beverage business. What made you so successful? Were you were you did you just have a lot of money to spend, or what do you think were the deciding factors? Yeah, look, I I think uh, obviously you know our owner and investor from Dubai had deep pockets, and they are very particular in what they want so we hired the best concept designer right Ogilvy is not some Ogilvy, local shop yeah, yeah we, we yeah Ogilvy is the, uh, another company uh, who come up with the, the look and feel of the store um, so we, we had we, we'd spent a lot of money and, but we did create <coughs> a really exciting coffee brand um, so that I, I so we yeah in our, in our peak we had eight stores in Thailand, fifteen stores in Dubai, still going strong in Dubai now. We've scaled down. I think we have one one store still in Bangkok. Um, but uh, yeah, so that kept me very busy and active and learning another another new skill. For the last uh, oh, from 2009 to 2014. How did that journey come to an end? Well, it's it, it it's still it, the journey. It hasn't ended, but mm -hmm. uh, mid 2014, I had a, a a call from the owner of Coffee World. So, did, at the time, you how familiar were you with Coffee World? I, I'd known Coffee World. Oh, it was a, it, it was a competitor right. of, you know, of ours. It was a coffee brand in Thailand. But um, do you remember that phone call? I I remember the call, and this is a I, I didn't particularly like Coffee World, <laughs> and I'm happy to say I'm not happy to say that. But it it's it's known, uh, and I had a call from the owner, and he said. You know, we like what's happening with Coffee Oil. Uh, Coffee World's been here for 20 years. It needs, it needs some change. It needs some new life. Um, and we had some conversations for, you know, three or four months. And I decided that it was a, a good opportunity to, to move up from you know managing eight plus eight stores Thailand, fifteen stores in in Dubai to you know about a hundred stores uh, in Thailand and forty stores in six other countries, and uh, so so I, I I moved across, which was an interesting move because even though coffee all wasn't my own business it was created by me so it's it was like giving away your baby or walking away from your child so and I had a very tight relationship with the owners in Dubai so it was a it was a decision that wasn't made lightly and come with a lot of heartache so I'd made the decision and moved, moved across to, to Coffee World. But within a month or so of me being at Coffee World, the owners said that, the owners of Coffee Oil come back and said, we can't manage Coffee Oil from Dubai. So they asked me to also manage Coffee Oil and you know, whilst doing my 
my coffee world job. So, which is a which is a conflict of interest. A slight one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> you know. So what? I, so what we what we decided to do is is uh, GFA or GFA or Coffee World would manage coffee oil on behalf of the owners in Dubai, uh-huh. which we still do today. Uh-huh. So, so uh, it's that's, and that was an interesting, you know, that's an inter- in- interesting dynamic as well, you know. Right. So you know, I, I leave I leave my my baby, go to to Coffee World, but then we decide that you know the best the best thing for coffee oil and it was good for for, for gfa coffee world as well because we obviously we charge a fee to manage it and right. uh you know so it was it was a good story good outcome so i mean at this point you switched to an organization that had how many employees uh, um, gfa has about 400 staff okay so somewhere between starting out as a 15-year-old teenager in a supermarket and being a CEO of 400 people, you must have learned a thing about management and about management in Thailand. Yeah, look, uh, definitely challenging. So our, our coffee oil office was quite small. It was a very family office. You know, my staff were, you know, very close. Uh, we'd worked many, a long time together. We worked many hours together. So we, 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 we know each other intimately. Mm-hmm. Do you remember some, how did you handle conflicts? Do you remember having any issues with employees oh, at the time? O- often. Um, and, you Do you know, remember a particular incident? Look, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't like conflict. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never been in a, a fight in my life. I've probably caused a few, but I've never been, <laughs> <laughs> never been in a, a physical fight. So I, I don't like fighting. I, um, but I, I do remember uh, at Coffee Oil, we, as I said, we bought, we bought an old business called Mr Bean. And the lady who owned that, her name is, is uh, Kunopal. And we kept Opal on because she would, she's been in the business a long time and very experienced so she was like my uh, my right arm so she taught me a lot but Opal's Thai but she is one of the strongest Thai women I've ever met and we would go head to head daily and we would yell and scream and fight but we always had a, a rule that once you walk out the door, it's, it's finished. You know, there's no, no, you don't come back with the, the argument tomorrow. So we'd, we'd, we'd fight, you know, in the office. And then at the end of the day, okay, see you tomorrow. And then it's, and we always worked like that. And actually Opal's still with me now at, at Coffee World. And we still. Shout at each other? Oh, still shout. So, so there's like someone, if they walk past the CEO's office, they hear him getting screamed at? Oh, or, no? she, she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's, you know, I've, I've, I've worked her out a lot more now, you know. But uh, so, um, so, yeah, no, we, we do fight often, but we have a, like a brother-sister relationship. And uh, she's, she's taught me a lot about working with Thai people. I've had some very close Thai staff um, my my assistant when I f- my f- with the first job Som she moved to Coffee Oil with me as well uh, until she got married and moved to Switzerland so a lot of my staff have been with me long term and they've taught me well you know uh, what is something you've learned over the years what is something you would give like if you had like a mate come over from Australia who had started here as a manager and you would sit him down over like a beer or two and you were like okay listen up this is what you got to know well I'm going to contradict myself because I said I, I argue with Opal often but I find that Thai people do not like conflict over you know over over many years you you sometimes just have to 
to go with the flow and just, you know, follow the way that the, the Thai staff want to do things and, and, and go from there. Do you remember a situation where you're like, wait, this doesn't know, and then you just decided to go with it anyway? Oh, look, actually, coming to, coming to Coffee World was very challenging for the first three months for me. So, so I think the, the, first, the first day I arrived, and then they'd never had a foreigner as a, as a CEO or an MD at, at Coffee World. So, um, and they had a high turnover of MDs and CEOs. And I think the first... The first thing was uh, the staff had had bets on how long I would last or how long it would take for them to 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 get rid of me. So, and I only found that out, at, you know, a few months ago. And they, you know, you know, I'm very close to all the staff now. So that was quite fun. So, so do you know who had the most trust in you? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think. What I what I did is uh, quite quickly is I brought some of my own team with me, so mm, who could explain you. So, so uh, I mean, uh, you you have to build trust with with the ties, you know. So coming in as the as the new CEO, coming in as a foreigner, I you know, a lot of the staff had been here since its inception, you know nearly 20 years trying to educate them that we're not the same you know there is other brands in Thailand now you know you need to change um, even you know the taste of 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 the coffee and things like that so so I brought some of my own team and you know and obviously Thai and then mixing in with the the old staff it, it took about six months to get it right mm. and They used to open maybe two, three, four or five stores a year. And I said, okay, the first year we're going to open 15 stores. And they just laughed and laughed and said, not a, not a hope in hell. Might I? Might I? <laughs> Cannot. So I think we opened 15 stores within the first year. And, you know, I think, I think we opened six stores in 10 days which wow. is which is huge and we did it and we we do it well this is, we do we do this really well here um we can open stores you know often and, and fast um and then just i think after six months it it just clicked where they realized you know i could do what i said i can do um, they got their trust in me, and it's it's been a good ride. It's been it's been fun, but the first six months was definitely challenging, tough. Mm. Do you remember a situation where you really noticed how your real estate know-how helped you figure something out? Yeah, well, I I, I consider this business a property business because it's all about location, so. You know, we, we have over 100 stores, so we have over 100 locations. So, for me, it's a it's a a part of a part of the the retail business is a property play. You know, you don't you don't have the location if you don't have the real estate. So, um, so I think a lot of my background in property, especially from the the later property years at night frank where it was commercial retail real estate really gave me a a lot of knowledge you know lease negotiations uh dealing with uh you know different clauses in leases and things like that so i i still when i talk to people i say look 30 of my job is still about real estate mm. it's just real estate with a with a, an, a food and beverage uh, front, facade. Right. What kind of mistakes do you see other people making who are in similar businesses, who like have stores in malls or who try to 
work with locate with kind of businesses where the location really matters? Well, I think um, F and B, food and beverage, retail, let's say coffee, is extremely competitive. We all see what's happening around Thailand or Bangkok. You know, you you don't walk more than 20 meters, and you walk past a coffee shop or some something similar. So, I think over the last two or three years, we've seen some large coffee brands come to Thailand, and they've come, they've gone, they've you know wanted to be the the next large brand here let's say that the next starbucks starbucks are the largest coffee brand in thailand uh, my competitor but a very good brand strong competitive they do what they do well um, so we've seen starbucks their largest competitors in the world have tried to enter thailand and failed There's two or three other brands I am sure that will fail over the next 12 months. So, what do you think they're doing wrong, as far as you can divulge? <laughs> um, I think the I think they've entered the market too late, so they're they're five years too late. I think, as I said, getting securing locations is is the key to success in retail food and beverage so key locations are gone you can't find so you, you you're in b grade or c grade locations so um so it's just very hard to 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 penetrate the market if you're five years behind mm. and you've got the current brands that are here that are extremely aggressive mm. so you know they've they've come with big big ideas big pockets but just can't can't penetrate the market easier to walk away than continue mm -hmm. or you buy into something as It, you did yeah yeah that's that's exactly right um you you bought i, I was actually talking with uh jeff amato in episode 11 of the podcast about uh bar restaurant called isin right yeah <laughs> yes uh I listened to that interview with Jeff. So, uh, so, so Jeff is one of my long-term, very good mates in Thailand. And Jeff and I, we own a bar restaurant called Isin, mm -hmm. uh, which in in Chinese means one heart, I believe. Mm -hmm. So Isin was a uh, about an eight-year-old restaurant in Rama Four, near the Channel Three building, and it was run by a husband and wife. I think he worked at Channel 3. Um, and unfortunately, they they were going through a, a, a marriage separation and Jeff's girlfriend, Amy, was working there. So we decided to, to buy it. Um, and I've, I've always had a little thing in my head that I'd love to own a bar or a restaurant mm -hmm. so this this came up it was a good price it needed a full renovation and i i had a i feel i've got a lot of experience you know doing renovation or you know building of f and b with the you know the building of our coffee stores and things like that i had a lot of good contacts a good a lot of connections so we bought it we we spent Uh, three months we stripped it back to a shell and uh, we opened East in about three months ago mm -hmm. is there I mean is there any conflict of interest uh, East in's a it's a bar it's a it's a restaurant so it's a it's a Thai food Isan food restaurant and uh, three nights a week it has live music I don't think it's a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm an owner. Mm -hmm. I don't run the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an investor. I drink there. I eat there. 
but it's it doesn't doesn't have anything to do with my day-to-day running of GFA mm. um, so I, I don't think it's a conflict of interest it's I'm excited by it it's it's doing really well I like it I think there's potential to grow the grow it maybe open another one or, or, or oh. you know I have some friends now who want to you know invest in the next one so um, yeah I think it's I'm, I'm really I'm passionate about it I, I really like it seeing a bright future yeah I, I you know it's it's something I I've got my own money in it right so you know I'm I'm deeply attached to it what's the best dish to order when I go there what's the best dish to order when I go there what should I pick oh oh what's your what's the one you yourself eat the most often there <laughs> I'm I'm not a big Thai food eater. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't eat anything spicy. I'm probably the most boring f- foreigner in Thailand who eats Thai food. So I, I usually just had deep fried pork with rice. But um, we do some good Isan dishes. Um, our, our customers are it's 99% Thai. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 Thai. It's office workers. It's cheap as chips, you know. I think, you know, our cheapest meals, 59 baht up to, you know, 250 baht for the, the most expensive, but average, you know, 79, 89 baht. Solid drinks, uh, you know, 100 baht. Mm. 80, a bottle of beer is 60 baht. And then you said, okay, I have a lot of uh, immovable property. Let's diversify and get something that can be moved <laughs> well I like you have a ship is it a ship or is it a boat a boat a, a boat. boat okay <laughs> I'm not sure where you draw the line um, oh. I it's it's quite hard to tell my story because you know I say I've, okay I have coffee oil I've got coffee world I've got East in restaurant I do have a boat uh, and there's a story behind the boat um which I'll, I'll talk about because the boat is, is very cool and um, it's, it's another one of my, you know, personal businesses in, in, uh, in Thailand. So the, the boat is... Uh, I was in Venice with a mate uh, last year in, uh, over Songkran and we were using the... the the Venetian water taxis mm-hmm. and we thought these are quite cool you know they're very old classic you know timber timber deck boats and we we got talking or my mate got talking uh Anthony who owns uh he owns the the Cross 2 Hotel Group in in Thailand mm-hmm. uh one of my good mates and he said this one of these boats would be good on the Chapraya River in Bangkok. Okay, yeah, it would because normally you just got if you want to go up the river with, you know, friends or something, you've got to catch one of those shitty old long tail boats, you know, and maybe they're authentic. But you know, once you've sat on one of those uh, timber seats for ten minutes, your your bum is numb and you know you're hot and sweaty. So you make your own slightly bigger one well what what happened is uh, anthony goes do you think we should buy one of these boats and i th- you know I, you know me and my yeah yeah yeah, yeah we, we'll do that that'll be fine didn't think anything of it until about three months later anthony rings up and says i can't get one of the boats and I'm, what are you talking about <laughs> he goes the boat the the venetian boats i'm like oh that's good no problem Okay. I'm like, thank God we can't get one of these boats. Anyway, but he goes, I've found an old Italian boat builder in Patia. And you're like, ooh. Louis. So, and I've been to see Louis, and Louis used to build these boats in Italy 50 years ago. But Louis's got another idea. So we'll, 
we'll do a the old style Venetian boat, but we'll give it a, a modern twist. So we we had the full plans drawn. We did the 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 moulds for the for the for, for the for the boat, and uh, yeah, we've got this uh, modern Venetian style boat, which looks like a it looks like something out of a James Bond movie. It's quite it's it's quite something uh, on the on the river in uh, in Bangkok, and we we. We uh, call it's it, we run it under it's called Cross Two, but X Two mm-hmm. Rivercruises dot com. Okay, if you send me a picture, I'll put up a picture and people can see what the boat looks yeah, like. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. It's uh, it it's it holds fourteen people. Uh-huh. Uh It's 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 one of a kind. It's it's really it's a really cool looking boat. Okay, so for the people who want to see the boat, they can go to broodinbangkok.com slash coffee, and that'll redirect them to the boat picture as well as, <laughs> as, well as other details about this episode. Um, we'll put everything up there. So, last question. Sure. Where do you get your Vegemite? Uh, I have uh, friends coming to Thailand often so they're always bringing me I think I've got about six jars of Vegemite in my cupboard at the moment so hand delivered from Australia yes hand delivered I actually probably should start selling it because it'll it'll probably expire shortly well that might be the next business then (laughs) could be (laughs) could be okay well Darren thank you very much for this interview today great my pleasure it's been a lot of fun okay And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. 